Seven is a number, both prime and divine. Seven yeah. is a number, both prime and divine. Seven is a do. number, both prime All and divine. Seven is a number, Check both prime and divine. United like the Justice League, we unlimited. Five transformed into seven, magnificent amalgamation. Super Saiyan, we ain't playing. 106.5 is the radio station. Triple Nation is the name of the tribe. 610-267-215 All around the globe in every area code Online, on air, whatever the mode Days and nights, live or recorded Listeners rewarded with the rawness Keeping it flawless like a Batman plan Jedi flips or a Spider-Man handstand Peace to every geek we stand for From Kronos to the bottom city of Candor We about to catch wreck Turn up your set, black triples on deck. Y'all know what time it is. Black triples in your area. Let's go. Welcome to the garden, ladies and triples. Uh, yay, I'm actually really excited about this book this week. I've been excited since I started in previews. This is the variant cover. Uh, so the book this week is coming out of the House of Vault comics. Uh, the book is Black Stars Above, uh, released uh, this week, uh, Wednesday, November 13, 2019. Uh, writer on the project is Lonnie Nadler, and artist is Jenna Cha. A young fur trapper flees her overbearing family only to get lost in a dreamlike winter wilderness that harbors a cosmic threat. The year is 1887, and a storm brews. Eulalie, which I hope I'm saying that correctly, Dubois, has spent her entire life tending to her family's trap line, isolated from the world. A chance at freedom comes in the form of a parcel that needs delivering to a nameless town north of the wilderness. Little does Eulalie, which is just like really hard for me to say, uh, <laughs> Yuli knows something sinister hides in those woods that yearns for what she carries. A chilling historical cosmic horror tale of survival from the deranged minds of Lonnie Nadler and debut artist Jenna Cha. Uh, yeah, this, like, so this book is cool because it takes place in Canada and our protagonist is uh, half First Nations. Um, so I had to even, as they were talking about... Uh, their uh, tribe or clan, I had to actually Google some stuff because it, I was not familiar with the, the tribe names or the language they were speaking. Um, but she's also, like, they're in Canada, you know, colonized by France. So she also, she speaks French and uh, her native um, dialect. And then is, she's, her, her father is French and her mom is a First Nations. And so there's, um, there's like a, a racial piece to it as far as her being able to pass and things like that. Like they actually kind of uh, talk about that in the book too. Um, and then in addition to that piece of it, the, like the, the true historical piece as far as, uh, you know, lands being colonized and things like that, then there's the supernatural piece. And from what I can tell so far, the parcel that she carries is sort of a Pandora's box um, that has like this some kind of force in it um it's 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 like unclear but it's 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 uh it's really really cool it's just a really interesting book different you know kind of different um point of view which i always appreciate and i and again i'm 
there there are so many books out there that when you get to indigenous characters or First Nations characters, they are there to further the plot line of a white character. So I always appreciate the stories where we are following them and they are our protagonists. So if you're looking for or are interested in, again, indigenous, you know, First Nation stories, this is, I think, a really cool book to pick up. Um, and you can have a chance to pick yours up right now. Uh, all you need to do is email us uh, at blacktribbles at gmail.com. Again, that's blacktribbles at gmail.com. And you need to have black stars above in the title. And if you are the first person to do that, this book can be yours. And I would say if, if these are the kind of stories you want to read, definitely um, you know, go to your local comic shop, get a subscription, buy the book, support the book um, so that we see more books like it. And if it's not at your local comic book shop, then ask them to get it in. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I most know most stores, even if it's something they wouldn't normally bring in because they're not sure of their audience. If, if they have like a sub- subscriber who is committed to buying the book, you know, stores will bring it in. Um, sometimes uh, folks just don't want to take the risk on something new. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely check this out. It's it's really it's really cool. Um, and I think, like me, you'll find yourself kind of. Googling maybe some of the things you didn't know and and looking a little deeper to learn about, um, you know, First Nations, indigenous people. We are on their land. So I think, you know, that's important for us to do as well. Black stars above, ladies and gentlemen, put it in the subject line. Email us at black tribbles dot black tribbles at, at what? Dot, black <laughs> at who? We who? Uh, we? Where, where we at? Huh? What who? Who what? Blacktribbles at gmail.com. Oh, all right. <laughs> email us. Put black stars above in the subject line. First email we receive will receive the copy of issue one uh, out in the mail to you. Thank you so much, Ariel. Thank you, Len. Thank you for letting us all into your reading garden. Thank you for letting me back in the garden. <laughs> Yo, it's been months since this garden. <laughs> and Ariel is still pissed. Traumatized. Yo. I came back. I was. I'm, I'm on these streets. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> anyway, and now, why is it not playing? Why are you? Whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes. Why, why are you not playing? Let's go over here, and now let's go back. Let's go back. I don't like. I don't like. Things don't work. Let's go. Okay. Very lucky you are to know me since I'm so incredibly incredible. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to this week in Geek History. This week in Geek History, brought to you by Pine Boy, <laughs> coming in just in the nick of time. November 12th, 1990, Tim Berners-Lee submits a proposal for a hypertext project he calls World Wide Web. In this proposal, he lays out his vision for what will, of course, become the modern web. November 12th, 2000, I remember this vividly. Bill Gates demonstrates a functional prototype of a tablet PC. Microsoft claims, quote, the tablet PC will represent the next major evolution in PC design and functionality. End quote. 
However, the tablet PC initiative never really takes off, and it isn't until Apple introduces the iPad in 2010 that the tablet computing is widely adopted. Nin uh, November 14, 1971, NASA's Mariner 9 reaches the planet Mars and becomes the first man-made object to orbit another planet. Also November 14th in 2006, Microsoft releases their Zune Media Player, intended to compete with Apple's iPod, hailed by some as an, quote, iPod killer. The only <laughs> killing done was by Microsoft less than five years later when they ended the production of the Zune brand. And last but not least, Ruby Neal Bridges Hall is the first African-American child to desegregate the all-white William Franz Elementary School in Louisiana during the New Orleans school de desegregation crisis on November 14, 1960. Back to you, then. Thank you very much for your, this Week in Geek History report. Sure. <laughs> uh, and right now, ladies and gentlemen, um, we return to the airs of Black Tribbles here on 106.5 FM. People Power Media, Philly Cam, streaming to you live and direct on phillycam.org slash listen. Also on Facebook Live, also on YouTube. And we have a very special guest in the building tonight. Uh, it's a, a long time coming, but longtime friend of Philly Cam and the Black Tribbles. He is the mastermind, as it were, behind the very popular um, film production unit called Real Black here in the city of brotherly love and recently announced the um the closing of his equally and maybe even more so popular real black presents uh screenings that took place for a number of years in the city of brotherly love put your hands together and welcome mike dennis here on black tribbles Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? You don't have the answer, Sway. <laughs> I always wanted to say that on the radio. <laughs> you don't have the answers. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ariel. Called me like um, immediately. It's weird. I mean, it's like uh, you know, I'm very, very big on YouTube, but very low on other social media platforms. Mm -hmm. So, like the announcement of. Uh, when you know of the closing, and we had a nice write up not only in the Tribune but on Thursday in the Inquirer. in the Inquirer, yeah. When I posted that, it was like um, the most liked photo that I put. I don't know what to make of that, you know, but it's still, <laughs> I got the most likes for closing, so you know, but um, but it was I felt a lot of love, and it was you know, uh, 15 years and 11 months. Wow, of, uh, doing monthly screenings, so. Uh, I don't have the exact number. I was trying to find my spreadsheet of all the shows, but hundreds of movies I curated and thousands of ticket giveaways and hundreds of DVDs and stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's anyway, a big weight off my shoulders. So I have to shut it down. But. I, well, I mean, you, when you put it that way now, I feel like, you know, like, oh, man, you know, it's a big weight off my shoulders. Like, it well, was. I mean, I, and I can imagine... But you still feel kind of like bad. It's like, oh no, no real black for no screenings. No, you have to understand. Black film is in a very good place right now. That's true. And um, the audience that we had coming from the very first show in Philadelphia it was a huge swell of, of 
and uh, of excitement because we were presenting discoveries and rediscoveries in black film. Mm-hmm. And the first three shows were free and they were standing room only, right? So, so, and we continued because of just this environment. Right. The fact that we could find venues for free, that people were excited about it. We had a huge, um, you know, with the neo-soul movement and all that, there was a huge understanding of, of blackness prior to me even starting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think all those things, and thank you to everybody who ever showed up or volunteered or helped or bought a t-shirt or all that stuff. I have to thank people publicly for that. But now, you know, audiences for movies, it's it's we, it's been a long time. The shift has been the devaluation of the movie-going experience. That's true. You know, it's very, very difficult to charge more than, say, $10 for a movie. Most screenings um, in the area are probably free or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was, it, was, it was not sustainable in, in, an, in a period of time where everything's available at all times. Right. However, YouTube has become the answer for everybody, and I've been able to program the kind of things that we've been showing for... 15 years mm-hmm. in brick and mortar on YouTube and I'm happy to report that it's uh, you know right at this moment we're, we're averaging about 7 million views a month nice and wow. about a thousand new subscribers a day so you know I, I know lots of people that have to shut down it's like oh people losing jobs I'm, I'm so sorry and they hang on for too long and it's just a depressing end of an era but this I feel like black film is in a great place because Literally everybody, it's available to everyone. You're making black film right now. It's a black right. guy behind a camera. He's a black filmmaker, right? So you don't, know, don't, don't, don't blow ago, his head up, right? Well, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we just, we just, just got an him, intern. We just got him in here. It, no, Isaiah is not is, an intern. The reality is, oh, this one. Winning producer. Thank you very much. The reality is, there's no. The barrier of entry is was always economics. That's right. Film. That's right. But anybody who makes a film is a filmmaker. Right. Right. So you know what constitutes film has shifted so much. To, to the fact that we all have cameras in our pockets we and we're all under surveillance thank you like 18 <laughs> cameras in here but um so after watching I say in case like 10 years from now they're gonna they're gonna catch me on it right You're right that's but, true. Uh, look I hope it's a free safe space because I don't I'll, it's I'll, a safe space but, safe but, space. but it's FCC space all right well I'll liberate my tongue in terms of thought but language I will curtail there you go um, there you go see how articulate I am that's, that's, that's because <laughs> award I'm, I'm a college graduate I'm a master of fine arts from the American Film Institute I'm a bachelor of fine arts from NYU I can articulate the emotion <laughs> that's necessary within the verbiage of cinema but with a, a sepia hue <laughs> if you understand what I'm <laughs> Approximating. I love a good CPU. It's one of my favorite filters. <laughs> yeah, the CPU on my phone acting up now. I need a new one. Oh, you got the filter? No, see, I I, I brought the CPU. I didn't give you the plug-in. There you go. I, I can originate the exact calibration of blackness that is necessary to be on the Tribble Show. But anyway, that's so yeah, I'm just very happy to have that weight off my shoulders of right. being committed month to month month. To be in a, the same place month after month, in right, a, right, era where you can be anywhere and run a, a internet business, you know. So, so travel, travel has been great this year, and been able to just widen my purview. I would imagine this also maybe opens it up, or you know, clears up some bandwidth, personal bandwidth, for you to maybe return to more wholly creative endeavors. That that. 
Absolutely. Well, any I, I tell people anytime I have a job, it's not to work for somebody. It's either to learn something or to buy me the time to mm-hmm. be able to do something creative. So yeah, I haven't had this large of a window of opportunity for a long to, time. Yeah, for a long time. You know, but if you look at my IMDb, you'll see every time like there's a big burst of credits. It's because I had free time and some money or some grants or grants were available or time was available to actually do stuff but um so it's, it's nice to see things blossom it's, it's so great to see so many people that we helped along or help have people discover here in philadelphia mm-hmm. aided and abetted um having great success you know and it's just um you know it, we all knew it was possible and real you know but so so many there's so much demystification happening now that the information is free flowing but unfortunately there's there's a difference between content and art and i think um the devaluing of art is something that needs to be addressed you know we have to we can't be going around bragging we shot a movie in a week and it's in theaters free to go see you know because that's not going to help get us to the point where we have a movie like The Irishman with all black folks, you know. It's just right. to keep us basically boo one, boo two, boo three, boo four. Right. You know, so we gotta we gotta step the game up in terms of uh, what the artistic The quality are. of it. Absolutely, yes. Yes. That's all I got. Alright, can I go now? <laughs> <laughs> the rest is on y'all. You're black filmmaker, y'all black tribbles. Alright, I'm out. Um, go ahead. Any questions? Or how you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling fine. It's good to see you, Lynn. It's been a while. It's been a while, Mike. Yeah, when we did the the podcast, but it's been a long time since Tribbles. I think it was in Germantown. Yeah, you. Yeah, wow. yeah. way, way back. Yeah, that way was back. crazy. But I hope that tape got burned, <laughs> lost in the flood. No, that's an archive, oh, bro. Oh, God. You guys, a, it's, it's got it was like drink champs. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> well, if you find it in the archives, good for you. But, yeah, it was a crazy night. Anyway. It was a crazy night, and but... But thank you for returning to the to the show. You were talking about how black film is in a good space right now. I actually just watched a real recent um, black film, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay. And um, I I have to say, that talking about uh, stepping the game up, I felt that that was a movie that you know went for it, went for changing the the conversation. Yeah. Well, it was problematic for me quite frankly but really in a lot of ways yeah um because my not not because of the artistic merit of the film or anything that the, the filmmaker wanted to say but i think um you know for, first off i mean it's um it, it's very literal you know it's like sure. it literally is the black, last black <laughs> man you know um there's no you know we're you know me and charles my podcast partner we're very tuned into the representation representation of black men on on film and the need for if we're going to heal our communities we we can't necessarily always buy into films that represent blackness but don't really deliver the emotional exchange yes so so you know the reason i love movies so much is because it takes me into another world as a portal truly into another times and places and other people's experiences and you get the catharsis now that catharsis was certainly there yes when when the movie evolves you know but um i think there's a lot of movies out right now in terms of the theatrical space that are financed simply to alleviate white guilt you know it's like i walk in and i walk out i feel nothing for me but i feel like this this was something that 
was validated by white dollars, you know. So right now we're in a whole social justice cycle and it's it's sort of like, woe is me, woe is me. I was so happy this year when um, Eddie Murphy came back and he did the Dolomite because I, I feel like the thing that's always missing from these slavery movies and stuff and the civil rights stuff is the joy. Mm -hmm. The fact that mm -hmm. we use humor to heal ourselves through so much of this and music to heal ourselves right. through so much of this. But the only time we're represented on in this grand space is like we're getting our asses kicked or it's like, you know, really problematic. Remember that, FCC, bro. That, you know, in this movie, you, it's mostly, it's not overt, but the, the bromance is kind of gay, you know, since San Francisco. Talking they, about last, last, last I'm minutes. I'm sorry, going back to last black man. And so... And then the only other male characters are gangbangers or Danny Glover is literally in, not only old, but um, visually impaired. Yes. And then they just leave. It's like they just disappear for like half the movie. And I'm like, wait, aren't you supposed to be caregiving for this blind guy? You know, so, you know, there's structural issues with that movie as well. But, you know, in my mind, I just want to see more black love on screen. I want to see us healing ourselves and not just pointing the finger at one another or, or whatever. And I think it's it's gotten very segregated in terms of how people identify with themselves through through this media. And um, until until we're in a position where we're we're financing this stuff, we're not necessarily having to go through well, that's these true. Sundance mills or, or mm -hmm. the the studio system or just like putting stuff out that we think is gonna win awards. Right. Um really, really providing some value. I think the the, the eyeballs that are intended are not going to get to it. I, I live in North Philly, ain't nobody watching the last black man in San Francisco, you know. So I, I don't know. It's just very problematic for me if if we're going to put that one up as one of the better things this year. But I, I'm not going to turn this into the Michelle mission because it's a triple <laughs> Wakanda forever. <laughs> you know, we'll get upset with go, me. Huh? <laughs> it's, I'm not going to go there. But. Okay, fair enough. No, I, I mean, you know, look. I mean, but it's an artistic statement, and he's entitled to it. I took a lot of heat defending uh, the Tubman movie as. Casey Lemon's artistic statement. Everybody, you know, back 30 years ago, there was only one flavor of blackness and we all had to identify with yeah, it yeah. and align with it and stand behind it. Now we all feel like we have the right to criticize, defend, support our specific flavor of blackness, our specific frequency, our green hair, our dreadlocks, whatever it is. And if, oh, that movie didn't have no dreadlocks. How, did, how dare you? So that was just my little personal observation about that particular film not that it didn't have the right to exist it's just you know you have to look at who's financing these things to right. really understand how it gets to your table like slave play was another movie or play that's on broadway now it's like you know this is really isn't for me it's for it's designed for people that are going to pay money a hundred dollars mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so so that that's the question mark you know how so do how do you feel about um the celebration of uh, Tyler Perry opening up Tyler Perry Studios. He did it the right way. I mean, you know, we all have the same criticism with Tyler Perry. It's like, and he sh he should be well aware. Like, you know, what happens when Tyler Perry is no more? Are we still going to be supporting that stuff? I mean, we're, we're, who's next in line? You know, who are you putting on? You got all this studio space, and I think it's in, in, inherent that black 
filmmakers, if they feel like they have any kind of power within this Hollywood system, insist that their work be shot at Tyler Perry Studios. No mm. questions, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, if you're going to be shooting some movie in Atlanta and you're a black filmmaker, you need to be putting some money in this brother's pocket because we saw this before with Tim Reed 30 years ago. They, he opened his own studio and he essentially went under because he could not find tenants. He could not find people, people to, come in to and... book the space when he was not busy. Right. You know. So I think Tyler has it a little more... Saul, but he's doing like 20 of his own shows and then you know but i think that's that's the other thing if you if you're walking around you know on instagram or whatever and you're saying you got power you got this you got that so, you know make sure that you support this guy so that he can keep his doors open and he can keep bottled water in the fridge when you come and all that other stuff because if if he's reliant just on white dollars to support that studio then it's not going to really mean much of anything it's just going to be be right you know, opening the 7-eleven you know it's like i mean I, and i i remember when black people did own businesses in my community so I, i'm very much happy for him but um you know it's the same same thing a lot of these people they name their businesses after themselves and then if something happens to themselves if they physically die or they're discredited then it's they're over it's game over you know and um, so they need to they need to be more forward thinking if you're talking about dynasties or amazon ain't got no problem knowing where they're gonna be 100 years from now i don't know where tyler perry studio is gonna be 10 years from now i really don't so but yeah but yeah thoughts Am I wrong? No. No, you're not, not wrong. We're, we're quiet because no, we're like, yup. And Byron Allen, too. Hold his ass accountable. Should he win all this money? Excuse me, FCC. Because um, <laughs> I'm still waiting for Black Weatherman. He owns the, the Weather Channel. Where's Where's the Black There's Weatherman? some black people on there. I want to see Black Weatherman school. Byron Allen school for <laughs> a Black, black Weatherman. Byron Allen school for Black <laughs> Weatherman. <laughs> he owns a Griot. I want to see black, Byron Allen school for Griots, you know? But just don't, don't ownership and name only. Come on, you know we, we don't know, we don't know the whole story, you know. So, so that's that. He could be a front like Jay Z. Oh, I own the Knicks or whatever it was. The Jay, the be the Nets. The Nets. I own the Nets, and then it's like he only had like one percent. He sold yeah. that to some Russian guy. So you know, don't don't buy into all this hype that you, you know, get caught up in all that stuff. And when when you start, start seeing people with jobs and pay stubs. Tyler Perry Studios paid me, Byron Allen paid me, then we should all be happy. But I, um, you know, 30 years ago, there literally was when I got out of film school, you should call Spike Lee. It's like everybody's calling Spike Lee. You know, right. I, I have an opportunity to work from one day and it was a great experience. I could say it's yeah. on my resume. But, but now, like I said, we're in a great space because you got, you know, beyond content creation of your own, you, you literally have 30 people with deals that mm -hmm. you could actually intern from you know yeah. and learn from and, and come up the ladder you don't have to feel the pressure to have to do every everything job yourself own. and right. write it yourself and even if you have a great idea maybe there's somebody that you are working alongside that can help you make that idea even more real so yeah it's a great i'm happy to let this go you know because it's a great space okay well then i will no longer feel bad for you Huh? <laughs> yeah, we were all like, womp, womp. We all felt real bad. Well, because well, I, I don't I mean, have a I, job no more? Well, okay. I think it's still, it's not just, you know, sometimes it's um something that's good for you 
the public is just responding to the loss of it. You know what I mean? So it's just like knowing. Man, well, you can't stop it, though. No, I mean, no, you can't stop it. Things. But I'm just saying. So for the sadness, I think sometimes it's like you're you're talking about it. And we definitely understand, understand that things change. How people consume media has changed. And so right. that means you need to adapt and respond. But then just the 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 fact of these screenings not happening, there's a, just right. sadness in that because it's like, oh, man. Well, yeah, we need a communal space, and I, I, I trust that it, it's going to maintain itself in a way. Um, it's it's unfortunate if you made a whole list of all the stuff that we don't have anymore as a result of technology in the last 10 or 15 years, it would make anybody very sad and disappointed. Right. You know? But the, the fact of the matter is we here in Philadelphia in terms of creative creativity we've always been ahead of the curve because we've always had to think outside the box we if you're committed to being in Philly you have to think underdog you have to think you know let me be original let me be different you know and you know from with my good fortune the being different and and being persistent about it it's for right now it's paying off it's giving me a great window of opportunity and um I think that opportunity is for everybody. And people have to understand it's a global thing. You know, it's not just here in Philly, but literally, I mean, this, this as we're broadcasting here on the World Wide Web, you said it was invented, what, 30 years ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's relatively it's, recently. It's, uh, any, anybody who can understand English can have access to what we're doing right now. Yep. It's instantly. So I think the, oh my the, God. Biggest, the biggest crime, <laughs> the biggest crime is if you just, still think in terms of even five years ago i think you have to project yourself into the future and and what does what does all of this mean you all right over there kennedy yeah i just you know putting a number on how old the net is just you know messed me up a little bit oh well you know time time i mean we obviously right like it has to been in the in the recent past recent right but to know that it's got that many decades just effed me up a little bit, guys. Sorry, I'm back. You, you okay. You're surprised that it's that old? I'm I, I surprised that I'm that old, I yeah, guess. That's that's what what I, it is. I think, yeah, that's <laughs> at the end of the day. It's like, no, it's more me. It's more me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's the one thing. I have gratitude. I, I grew into the technology. I wasn't born into it. So it's... it's you know, at snail's pace, actually, when you said Zoom, I was like, oh, I remember when MC Breeze got a big check from Microsoft because they used his song That's in right. Zoom ad or something. I was yeah. like, wow, was that long ago? You know, when they were introducing the, the, the product and everything. So, I've, you know, I don't have, you know, I remember 8-bit Atari, you know, that kind right. of stuff. So, so, you know, I, I you know. I feel very fortunate that I grew into it. I feel, but I do feel very old. I do feel like there's a limited amount of time, and and certainly with anything, there's a small window of opportunity for this because I, I, a lot of what, what I was saying is, uh, black film, it's reactionary. Yeah, as Charles would say, you know, we we react to things. We always seem to feel powerless about this, mm-hmm. and what we get to see is a reaction to what has happened. Trans before so if you look at what's coming out in this era it's simply a reaction to the Donald Trump being in the White House right Right. a lot of liberal-minded white folks with a few extra dollars they say oh now they're interested in our oppression tell me your story can you put this together but um, you know just like in film school when I was in film school there was a big you know Vietnam Fest late 80s there's a lot of homeless people in the streets and it's like every person in class the short film was about some homeless guy, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, you know, when is this going to end? This is just too 
obvious. You know? right. So again, think five years ahead and realize that this, if, you're, if you are a filmmaker, that um, doors are being opened, but you gotta, if, if your dream is globalization of, of this movement, you gotta make money for somebody. Or you, right. or you have to be self-sustaining in a way like Tyler Perry was, where he could create his own studio, his own table, and his all own lane. Stuff. Yeah, but, but a lot of this stuff is going to be gone in two years. No one, no one wants. I don't even want to hear about it now. Some of this uh, social justice stuff. I, I don't like to wake up every morning and get on Instagram and hear about some dark, depressing thing that that I have to identify with simply because I, I share the same skin tone. I. What we do on YouTube is just celebrate the joy of, of um, our creation, our art. creativity, our ability to just manifest things that nobody ever thought of, you know. So uh, that's what I, I love every day is just like sharing that kind of stuff. Like, you know, we just put up a Frankie Lyman video and the conversation's going off the chain, you know. So, nice. But how many people thought about Frankie Lyman today? Lyman today, right. Exactly. So, so that's, that's what I do now. Do you have any creative pursuits of your own that now you've got the time for? You can write yeah. that feel-good Black Boy Joy movie? Yeah. Black Boy Joy? Oh, yeah. my goodness. That just put like a whole... That, I just flashed the poster in my head. Black Boy Joy. It's a thing. Just oh, like Black Girl Magic. Black Girl Magic. Black Boy Joy. Okay. Black Boy Joy. That's interesting. That, that should be a movie or so, a boy band. You know, so like just uh, called Joy. Five of them doing the musical choreography <laughs> at once. The musical youth story. That that would be my my thing. What happened to those guys? You know, but um, uh, I don't know. I I you know my main my main intent right now is to be go back to the creativity. Like I said, I'm a trained filmmaker. You know, and a lot of the people. Shout out to Todd Phillips. You know, uh, just one. I guess yeah. Joker is your movie, yep. right? So, you know, uh, he was a classmate of mine at NYU. And, wow. And um, the very first film festival I ever programmed, he actually created the New York Underground Film Festival. I worked with him for two years. So oh, cool. So I'm very happy to see him. But, you know, and, you know he's, got, he's got more money than me, but there's a reason. And I'm trying to get some more money than I have now. So, um, you know, I have, to, I have to get to that point. But, you know, right now it's good because I'm just writing for myself. I'm creating for myself. And... Most of, most of the stuff, if, if I've committed a year to writing and being an artist more, mm. and um, if, if I like it, then I'll share it. If not, I'll just keep it in the drawer, you know, but I don't, I don't feel that pressure in the, like I did in the past where it's like, I'm going to commit a year. I got to, this has got to turn over into something. Right. Right. You know? And I notice also a lot of the people that I, I brought, you know, to town for different movies a lot of the more interesting successes were things that people didn't even anticipate at that moment sharing. right right like you talk about uh, uh you know you have to have to keep your day job basically uh jordan peele with get out he he just he had it in a drawer he he wrote it he had the intention of making this great thing but it wasn't until somebody brought it up oh i have this idea that no one would ever make and then we get get out so Right. So I'm just trying to liberate myself from all the commercial stuff. Not be too bugged out. Be realistic. Entertain myself for a year, and then um, you know we'll see what happens. But, yeah. That's good. I feel like the worst thing that could happen to an artistic person, artistic mind, creative endeavor is capitalism. Right. Creating art for the sake of it to be sold, and letting that 
be what determines, you know, what is good and what isn't, right? There's plenty of things that are marketable. Um, the Kardashians are point in case for that, but they're not artists, right? They're not creative in any way. Um, well, we owe it to the audience to give it our give people our best, and right? Because it's it's a monster that's created with this. People just have an incessant need to be distracted and entertained, but not not everything that we're putting in into our brains is healthy for us, you know. And I think that that distorted image, you know, prior to even social media, it's been poisoning black people forever. Right. And I think when we started the screening series, the, the whole thing was I want to provide an antidote. You know, I, I just it's just puzzling and troubling to me that that um, we have no control over w the images of ourselves you know and now that's evolved into is it representation or is it justice you know is the movie that you're making me want to go see based on the poster and the cast and the theme is it really something that's designed for for me to get my emotional catharsis the way white folks do all the time when they go see a Tom Cruise movie or Bridges of Mar Madison County where we can enjoy those movies but we have to filter through three or four layers for us to really feel that and one of those layers is very poisonous like that could never be me you mm -hmm. know so it's not to say that uh, we should be copying the success of other people's artistic endeavors but really tap into what is it makes us us and, and you know I think that Jordan Peele movie really is one, one of those movies that kind of blindsided a lot of people in, in that sense of giving both sides you know like you know for an hour and a half black people could feel like wow somebody understands me and then for an hour and a half white people had to look at a black character mm -hmm. and really internalize their emotional state and I think um, Moonlight was another movie that yep. does that where you you really but but that also shows how deprived we have been over the years in terms of being able to get full representations where there's a character arc on, on, a, right. on a character you know a black male character specifically but any character usually we're just in for two scenes and we're out and we 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 hold on to that jimmy mm -hmm. walker we hold on to that martin lawrence we hold on to that gary coleman because that's all we had at the time you know so so you know but but that's a huge mountain of cultural influence that we should be mining in terms of um you know, not to give too much away, but my, my just put it out there for other people, you know, think of all the language that's been created through hip hop in the last 30 years, just specific, just like you hear like, eh, eh, and you just, it just triggers you some know. memory in your right. head. Why aren't we using this in motion pictures, this collective consciousness that we have just through the, just these quick bites, you know, like we do it in memes and things like the Jordan face and everything, but where, where, <laughs> how do we connect people emotionally quickly but then hold them to a story that gives them also that that realization you know that aha you know so that that's that's basically what i what i've been doing the last year or two years trying to figure that out so you've cool. been you've been in a lab yeah you've been cooking yeah he's trying to analyze society <laughs> no it's just reading the the comments of people <laughs> on the channel we, we 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 hit a saturation or tipping point where we have enough viewers where I, I see there's a huge void in terms of representation or justice. It's like, I, I'm, I, I love everything, but I'm not necessarily seeing in, on this wall what the audience that we've cultivated and nurtured on mm -hmm. YouTube 
expects. So is it that you're, are you seeing like a specific thing that people are looking for or are they just looking for like a je ne sais quoi? I, I think p- most people don't want to wake up every morning worried about stuff. I think most people don't want to feel the, the trauma that we all have in our DNA from, from slavery and all this other injustices of being black in America, black in the world. Just, re- just the only image that we see time after time that gets amplified. You know, so that's why I said Dolomite was such a, a profound movie for me this year because it actually doesn't deal with any of that. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's just like yeah. escapism 101. Right. And it's it connects us all because there's a lot of faces that we just love to see and they're all in one place. So, so I think that that's, that is healing. You know, some of this other stuff is just... Um, it's just part of the wave. It's just like, okay, this sold. Let's make eight more of these. You know, so, so yeah, I'm just, I guess, seeking originality. Just trying to find, find that, that you know. But yeah, you know, I grew up loving John Hughes movies. So who, who, who am I to be? I was wondering, like, all represented. Where did this? When did the love of movies, uh, that moving image, first manifest itself? I don't know. I think everybody who loves movies, they, 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 it's a form of escape. You, you, you lose yourself in them. Yeah. But I, I just, at a certain point, watching TV shows and stuff, was curious about it. And then uh, maybe high school, I, the door opened, that, that first door opened where Spike Lee and Jim Jarmusch and Charles Lane, they were all mm-hmm. making these simple black and white movies out of New York. And, right. And I was about to graduate high school. I knew I wanted to go to film school, and I got in. I only applied to two schools. I got in, into NYU. So you knew, you did you know going into high school that you wanted to be a filmmaker? Mm. Probably, probably. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I mean, I know I meet people that are much later in their lives, and they're still trying to discover their what purpose they want to do, right? Their passion or whatever. I. I, I, I'm either retarded or stubborn or just really, really smart. But I, it, once that bit me, and I knew I wasn't going to be playing baseball or driving an ambulance, you know. So it just the creativity. And then, again, Spike Lee having that image. And Robert Townsend, Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah. You know, those movies came out in my senior year. It just made me more aware of the social responsibility that comes if you're black and you want to make film. And then I was lucky interned at the Cosby show and worked at uh, work for him and Black Filmmaker Foundation. So all, all that's my, that, that social responsibility aspect and, and wanting to represent and deliver high quality has always been there. So That's cool. But yeah, it wasn't until 89, Public Enemy. A lot of my friends wrote for The Source. Like being in New York, you have to imagine being in New York in 1989, that was like the epicenter. That's was. The vortex of black empowerment hip-hop culture Paris One spoke at my school you know was at a fishbone red hot chili peppers concert (laughs) I mean it was just all kinds of energy then you know so I think that's that's something I have that people who are coming in later might not have that same connection because it was such a flash I mean just sort of like we had Public Enemy and then what like five years later Gangster Rap yep kind of just took it all over not even it wasn't even five years it probably would have been even within that that it it started hitting but I mean just think think of how much bandwidth Puffy with the shiny suits and Dre with the khakis and took away from 
those, those voices, you know, yeah. of, of um, just love yourself, you know, right? Instead of loving things, so so you know that that hurts a little bit when I look back, my generation. You know, we went for the okie doke. You know, even mm-hmm. like shit. I, I, oh, excuse me. Even um, let's go define what be in your pocket. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> you know, put in, I apologize. I hope you have a delay. I'll, but you know, just like going Ice Cube on vinyl to Are We There Yet is a big question mark. What happens when you get super popular and all that? I mean, you can make an argument that he just wanted to make entertainment for his kids, but you know, kids will never know what Ice Cube was really about. Well, right? No, never. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't believe it if you told them. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude? Friday guy? Or, you know, so. There's people who don't realize that Ice-T was always on, was it Law & Order he's on? CSI? SVU. Yeah. SVU? SVU? Yeah. Yeah, they don't, they don't know about Cop Killer. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but, you know, that that's... It's an interesting, it's an interesting topic for debate. Well, I mean, like, is it? Would you call it like evolution of a career, or would you just be like he wanted a check? It's it's just um, the the way all subculture goes. It gets commodified, so things can happen very organically and truthfully. And the minute somebody, like you said, capitalist dollars comes in and figures out a way to make it for sale, that then things lose their. It's very hard to keep the true essence of things, you know. And also true. You know, I was I was point to the movie uh, Paris is Burning mm-hmm. as a prime example of that, which we actually got into the National Registry a couple of years ago. It's a great documentary. It's about the the gay bar, uh, the gay Vogue scene in Harlem. Yep. And these people were just among themselves creating all this culture, and then Madonna shows up, puts it in a music video, and now it's like commodified you know so either you jump on 20 years way. later pose happens well pose is back yeah they, they bring it well that may be more legitimate uh, representation in a sense but the madonna absolutely i would I, <laughs> yeah yeah well that's us telling our own story you know but then this debatable when you look at straight out of compton that's us telling our own story but that <laughs> yeah but yeah you see what we did with our story not only superheroes but liberators of free amendment free amendments oh uh, don't get me started on dr dre in that movie man. it's a great movie i'm not it's saying, not a great movie it is a great movie no it's not it is a great movie this is not the which movie Straight well, what's company. funny is I just listened to that episode of the Michelle Mission today. So as soon as it came up, I was like, mm, "Len does not like that movie." <laughs> <laughs> but, I know all of Len's thoughts about that movie. Well, but I mean, you know, it's just if when we ha- when the lion can tell his own tale, then it's a little bit better for us. But um, it's better for the lion too. Well, I guess I mean, but the issue with that is well, with, the- with Straight Outta Compton is the the women's stories that were left out. Well, they're gonna leave something out anyway. Yeah, so. but I mean, but I I think that is when we whenever we talk about black film, I think I get frustrated with it because it's like, is it a black film if it does not if it erases the stories of the black women? And I feel I feel the same thing about I had that same point with Get Out. Yeah. Um, even though I I love Get Out, it is an excellent movie. But then when you take a step back and it's like, okay, but where do we give space to the black woman and you don't and so again it's like so is it a black film if you're not including the experience of a black woman well, and and with straight out of Compton it's like I mean we know who Dr. Dre and all them were and 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 there is this aspect of hip-hop culture that is demeaning to women and they were demeaning to women but yet they still get to be the heroes well, you know what I mean well, well I understand completely and I, I think that um, we, we can't 
we have to look at the truth of what the movie's trying to say first off and who the artists are that are telling the story right i think too too often black it's representation or justice right so too often we we get these movies where black people are represented but also you get Asian people in there and a woman here and it's not necessarily truthful to the reality of things and I think also um, not not to not putting straight out Compton in this equation because that is a very specific thing but often we want to revise the the truth of, of the time period and think that everything you know, just because like take this one fragment of what we understand and not necessarily put in relationship to the other things which is I think what you're saying about straight out Compton so the answer there is like either you got to have a woman producer or um, a woman in the room when they're writing the stuff, and and um, I think that's another battle, getting more women involved in the creative process, not only of filmmaking but producing, and having those final says about what stays and what goes, you know. But at the same time, you know, um, you're not going to please everybody, right? So I, I think the justice is getting. A Sister D. Barnes movie made, or um, mm-hmm. or a Queen Latifah movie made at the same time that we get to see these super heroic Compton people. Because if if I look at the movie, it's very unbalanced in the sense that these guys were really poisoning the the, the community and in, in their struggle or whatever it is. So so if you if you don't have the distance of, or the if you weren't there at the time and you're just watching the movie, you're thinking they did all of this. But the reality is the same week. Or the same time I had Straight Outta Compton on my turntable, I had Queen Latifah on my turntable, I had Public Enemy on my Tribe. turntable, I had Moni Love on my turntable. So there was a much wider range and more diverse re- representation of the black experience as a young person. Kid and Play, you know, was was counterbalancing what I was putting into my mind. I was, it was it was only when the radio stopped playing all those people and all we got for 10 years straight was materialism, gangster crime, that, that, that I started to feel like things were getting distorted. And then now we're discrediting Cosby for whatever reason, you know, and it, it may be valid or not. Um, but we're, we don't have real life heroes at this point that we can look at and, and, and say, okay, how, what can I aspire to beyond that, you know? If everybody is just out um, for a dollar or trying to get shine off of somebody else's thing, you know what I mean? So we talking about real life heroes. You, Mike Dennis, of Real Black, are definitely a real life hero. If you what, say so, I'll take it. Well, dude, I was looking at some of the uh, in the in the posting of what was happening with Real Real Black Wait, Presents. I was um, just my secretary. Just write down what Lynn just said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real I, life superhero. Okay? Well, you are, man. I was and I was looking at um, the people that were writing in their their thoughts and sharing their sharing praise for everything that you have done with Real Black. Uh, um, actually, I believe even in the piece in the Inquirer, Ava DuVernay is quoted um, because of your work with with her. Um, so. And I, I, I will I will speak, you know, Ariel brought up the Michelle mission. Um, I will speak of, of how very highly uh, myself and my partner on their events think of you and what Real Black is doing, oh, man. So you. like, you're definitely, a, you, you're that dude, man. I hope so. You know you are, man. You know you I are. I, I see you walking to these screenings. When we go to the screenings, man, you can t- tell when Mike walks in because it's like everybody all his. Like, oh, Mike's here. All right. <laughs> all right, I, okay. All right. Well, if you say so. I mean, that's that's another perception. I'll accept that one. Um, 
you know, I'm I'm still trying to align myself with, uh, you know, it's it, it's interesting. You have 15 years like where you're running, literally. You start the projector and then you turn the light switch off and you have 15 years of people. Oh, that's the guy that can hook me up with some free movie tickets. And then um, you, you know who you are. And mm-hmm. then you also have literally thousands of people that you don't know. And who's that dude? You know, like a lot of people, they think I'm a woman because of logo. They make up their <laughs> own, they make up their own fantasy character of, of who real black is or who Mike D is. So... You know, I'm having a little identity crisis in terms of that, but I'll, I'll accept your love. But some some of the stuff, I don't want to ever have to run and click click the light switch on a, on my own movie again. So <laughs> I got it's you. A, too much work. So real quick, what's the next step for for Real Black? What 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 should we expect? Well, as that? I just said, I mean, just watch on YouTube and pay. You know, if you if you like me, love me. I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll hold. I, I try to hold myself accountable to what I say, and I just. I just think, um, you know, it's a lot of karmic debt. You know, you got to think all the people that I've talked to and met and been in rooms with and I've heard all the concerns. Everybody who's ever told me uh, a personal story, I, you know, I'm just I'm an empath and I, it clings to me. It's like, wow, you know, more people should know this. More people should know this. And that's, that's traditionally what I've done. Mm-hmm. But on the creative end, how do you take what you know how to do and make things better? You know, so like I said, I, you know, I don't, I don't want the whole pie or anything like that. But I feel like the only way I have the right to complain about anybody else's work is if I share work. You know, so the Rakim has a new book out. And it's like, you know, is this the best that you can make? You know? <laughs> so that's that's my feeling most of the time when I go see these movies is like I'm in a cipher. I want to be a part of this conversation and I'm giving myself a year to kind of figure out what that that would look like in in terms of uh, something that would be entertaining. Not just content driven, but that you would actually pay, that people, white folks out there, white folks out there would actually give me money to go and make with my black friends. So, What's the podcast that you're you're running and where can people find it? Well, well, everything's on YouTube um, at Real Black. R e e l b l a c k, but I, I'm working with um, my podcast partner. We do conversation. We talk on the phone all the time, but ever, occasionally we record our conversations and share them uh, around topics. And we call that either uh, Talking Black with Charles Woods or the Real Black Podcast. And those you can just Google that and find find those things. Anytime there's something hot that comes up, we'll, we'll do one of those. And then he's working on several projects. Uh, the Technology book, which is his magnum opus about uh, how, um, you know, d- just different tropes in American film that, that are used to sort of reinforce white supremacy. Mm. And in January, we have a sort of a tangential uh, presentation we're going to do at the Denton Black Film Festival in Dallas, Texas, uh, which is uh, it's called uh, Savages, Servants, and Specialty Acts. And it's basically looking at film clips from the past and putting within the context of the colonization of black people like being stolen from Africa to enslaving our minds so that's something that we're working on now okay all right that sounds deep because that's Mike that's what the D's for the D's for deep Mike D gotcha Mike thanks so much for stopping by here man I appreciate this tribbles 
Are you on Tribble? Do you have a Tribble? I had a Tribble name. I forget. I think it was Dexter St. Jock Tribble or something like that. Mm. That sounds like you, bro. That's definitely just yours. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely well, yours. I was anointed bro. Dexter St. Jock. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely you. Thank you so much for, for sure, uh, stopping by, man. We really appreciate it. Um, this has been real dope, and and I promise you, look out. We will get you returning to the show mission on our road to 200. Um, so look for that coming in the future. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got to get out of here. Um, we're running a little late, but we started a little late, so that's fine. Um, you can find this show. This show is actually going to be available for the first time in two parts coming in the morning. So you'll hear, you'll see our interview with Power Comics, and then check your feed because there'll also be our very special interview with Mike Dennis of Real Black up there for your download and streaming pleasure on BlackTribbles.com and any place and every place that you find podcasts like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Stitcher Radio, and all all those joints don't forget to like and follow us on all the social medias leave us the five-star rating on apple podcast because that really helps people find our little show uh we gotta get out of here next week it's going to be a very special week ladies and gentlemen going to be a very special black tribbles and me show mission joint presentation the men in the trunk our conversation about HBO's Watchmen. It's going to be here next week live. Vince will be in the building. The Tribbles will mm. be in the building. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, for the Uncanny Tribble, Master Tribble, Storm Tribble, Super Saiyan Tribble, the Intern Tribble, Super Tribble, Dexter St. Jock Tribble, and and the Rivers Tribble. Tribble. This is the bad uh, Middle Tribble, tribble Thundar the Tribble, and Where Tribble. Thank you, Master Tribble. That's why you're this Mr. Why Thursday. Need- right? This is the bad Tribble, and parting we say. Hailing frequencies closed. Yeah.